Welcome to First in Maine, your avenue to living well. I'm Debs here with my amazing co-host Lauren to meet you in the busyness of your everyday life, to pass along some of the insights and wisdom we've gained over the years. Don't try to figure out life alone. We want to connect you to some of the incredible, well-rounded people in our world. They're life coaches, counselors, pastors, physicians, just amazing people who can help you along the way. Each episode, we'll be sharing sharing personal stories, practical help, and timeless principles to help you live at your best. So lean in and let's tackle life together. Hey guys, welcome back. We are so excited today. We're going to jump straight into things. I'm here with Lauren, my amazing co-host, and we have a very special guest, a good friend of mine, beautiful sister in Christ. She is a fireball. Um, Her name is Karen Hilton. She is an executive coach. She is I mean, just a spirit-led woman, mighty woman. You know, she can preach, she can teach, she can she can talk, she can walk the walk, (laughs) she can do it all. Um, But Karen, thank you for being here with us. Thank you so much. I feel like I feel a little bit like a groupie. Um, (laughs) I, I, you know, I'm here and I know I'm here, but I'm still pinching myself. So I'm honored to be here. Debs, you know, you have always been not only a great friend, but a mentor and prayer partner. And this is just a dream come true for me. Oh, thank you for saying that. All right. So tell our listeners a little bit about you, your background, what you currently do, and then we'll jump into our topic. We're talking about dreaming big today. We're talking about vision and how to achieve the things that we believe are on our life. And Karen, She is an expert in this, so I hand it over to you. Okay, well— Tell us the scoop. First of all, um, I'm a wife and a mom, um, two of the roles I treasure the most. My husband, Steve, and I have been married for 17 years. We met online. Let's just get that out there. (laughs) Um, And so for all of you that are dreaming and hoping, it is possible. Wow, yeah. Um, But at any rate, um, we'll have to have a separate podcast about that. Okay. Um, But at any rate, my son, Jimmy, is 13. He's 6'1". At 13 wow. years old. So he is very much a full-grown man. Yes, he is. So you can imagine my little five-foot, three-inch self when I go to doing what I do as a mama. <laughs> i got to look up to him now. So. Wow. Uh, I spend a lot of time in prayer yes. uh, for that. Um, and then I have two beautiful stepdaughters, um, Hannah, who's 22, and Rachel, who's 26. Um, and they're here in the area. So we spend a lot of time together family time. My father-in-law, Dr. Jim Hilton, lives down the street from us, so family is big for me. And let's see, um, pro- professionally speaking, uh, I'm an executive coach, an organizational strategist, and I'm a keynote speaker. And so I work with typically large organizations, multinational organizations, or um, kind of large-scale uh, systems, yeah, right. So um, organizations that have multiple locations, and I work across the country, um, and have had some opportunity to work internationally as well. Um, so I work in healthcare, um, media, entertainment, um, technology. Wow, uh, it runs the gamut. Yeah, what an opportunity to influence so it many is. different sectors. You know, 
sectors. It is. And what's so interesting, um, and we'll get into this, I hope, but, you know, back in the day, if you didn't work for the same company, you know, for 20 years right. or something like that, it was a, you know, it was a scorn of shame. Um, but it has actually been the thing that has created opportunity for me. The fact that I would look at my resume, I'd be like, wait, I haven't been there but two and a half years, and here I am getting an opportunity to go somewhere else. But it's actually the thing that draws people to me, the fact that I have had so much diversity in my resume. So um, anyway, that's just, I think, something that's really cool about what God's done in my life, professionally speaking. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. Well, <clears throat> I was um, watching a movie this last week. It was called 14 Peaks. Have you heard of it? No. Okay, it's on Netflix, y'all. Um, check it out. I was like, one of my New Year's things is like, I'm going to quit watching some of this foolishness. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, how did I get here? You know, I mean, when you do the kind of things we do, yeah. and, you know, you're thinking and putting together content, sometimes you just want to sit there and like That's watch right. stupid television. That's right. But I did over my little, like, year and a half sabbatical, I decided I was watching a little too much of that. So I was like, this year, I'm going to watch some things that are going to inspire me, that are informative, you know, all that. So stumbled across 14 Peaks. Long story short, it is a documentary of a guy from Nepal who set out to climb the 14 highest mountains, peaks in the world. Now, here's the thing. He didn't just want to climb them because people have done that. He wanted to do it in seven months. The only other record for doing that, it took somebody seven years. Wow. And he wanted to climb all of them mm -hmm. in seven months. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he called it, you know, this vision of his Project Possible. And he set out to do this because he wanted to, in his own words, show humankind mm -hmm. that anything is possible mm -hmm. when you believe mm -hmm. and when you have a vision. So and I good. thought, so good. I watched that right in time to sit down right, and right. You know, talk with you. I'm like, we want to talk to you about your project possible. Right. <laughs> you know, what peak do you have to climb? What mm -hmm. mountain? Um, you really can do it. Mm -hmm. But one of the things, like, as you watch the <clears throat> documentary, it's very inspiring, is he didn't just, like, have that and, like, start tomorrow. He did a lot of preparation. Mm -hmm. He developed a strategy. Mm -hmm. He had a plan. Mm -hmm. He picked his team. Mm -hmm. He didn't do it alone. Come on. And he did it mm -hmm. in less time than he actually said. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's so inspiring. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, I want to talk to you today, Lauren and I, about dreaming, mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people quit dreaming. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, want, I know that you have... The main one of the main things you do, you have um, something called Rock Your Vision, mm -hmm. and so you spend your life mm -hmm. helping people rock their vision. Mm -hmm. Which I thought I'm talking about peaks, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking about Jesus. This come on. <laughs> so, um, tell us, you know, a little bit about Rock Your Vision, how it started, mm -hmm. why you even like have a passion for that. Where did all that come from? Yeah. Um, first of all, what an amazing setup. You know, Holy Spirit is just so good uh, because we could just do a whole thing on <laughs> the 14 peaks. But um, so I actually came to rock your vision um, in a very tragic way. Okay. My mother, who was my best friend in the world for 20 years, um, 
was diagnosed with ovarian cancer seven and a half years before she actually passed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when mom was diagnosed, um, it was a shell shock to her system. And for me, I actually didn't allow it to be a shell shock. I didn't, I, I couldn't slow down. I, I didn't have that kind of time. I'm like, okay, well, we're just going to, we're going to put this in a project plan and we're going to deal with it. We're going to put Jesus on it and it's going to be all right. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's scary. <laughs> that was what I, that, that's what I do, right? Uh-huh. Um, and we did that for seven and a half years. But the day I got the call that mom had fallen catastrophically ill in her apartment I drove 90 miles an hour um, down 75, showed up in her place, and um, I knew when I saw her because just days before when I had seen her, she had bloomed about 20 pounds mm-hmm. in, in just a matter of days. And so she was taken on water weight. Her, her, her heart was failing, and um, I knew... That, that the end was near. Well, we brought mom home, long story short, we brought mom home to begin the hospice process. And I quit my job a few months too late, probably. And I crawled into bed one day and I said, Mom, I said, you know, I look around and I see all these people rocking their vision. Why can't I rock mine? Why can't you rock yours? And it was like the Holy Spirit just quickened me in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know it Mm -hmm. in that moment. And there would be many months that were hard to follow, but I went back to that experience. Hmm. It was was a catalyst moment. Um, I call them defining moments. It was a defining Mm -hmm. moment. It really was. And um, my mom died in my arms, Mm -hmm. um, and I held on as long as I could. I did everything I knew to do to make it work and to be spiritual and to, but at some point it just kind of crashed and burned. Mm-hmm. But coming out of that experience, I realized that I, I, I needed to be different. I, I couldn't be the same. I didn't, I didn't quite know how to do that, but I knew things had to be different. Yeah. So I began looking at the kind of commonalities between myself, my mom, my aunt, her, her sister and her mother, and most of the women that I had worked with, and I began to see themes. I always look for themes and patterns, mm-hmm. right? And then I started to compartmentalize things because that's how you do strategic mm-hmm. planning, right? You put things in boxes and, and draw mind maps and things like that. And the things that came out were not that the people were the same because I was different from everybody that I was looking at, but the themes were the same. Hmm. And the theme was this belief that I was not valuable and worthy enough to do the things that I felt like God had uniquely gifted me to do, hmm. right? We we learned, I think, coming out of our generation and, and generations prior, you go into an environment, you learn a trade or you learn a skill or you get a degree, and then you follow that out in sequential order. Right. And I was never that person. I hated it. Mm-hmm. I hated it. I'm a dreamer. I'm a flower child. My husband right. will tell you, like, I drive him <laughs> nuts. Wait, no, God told me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wish that was knowing laugh, people. That's what that <laughs> Anywho, I knew we were kindred spirits. Right, I, right. I wish you guys could be here right now to see the faces that they had going on. Like, the minute Deb's heard her say that, her eyes were like, oh. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. So I was a streamer. And so I said this to my mom, and I came back to it. After she passed, I took about three months off, and I just slept. And I have to say, um, right now, I just want to you know say it publicly that I couldn't have done this if I would not had the support of my husband. Um, we are just as different as different can be. Um, but the one thing that I think God has really preserved and really helped me f- reflect on over the years is how important it is to have a tribe. Yeah. And my husband, of course, is the head of our tribe. Yeah. <clears throat> but the fact that he is so focused and, and you know, I mean, the man is just a, a beast. He's just a workaholic um, in the best way possible. But because he was, um, he was gainfully employed, that gave me an opportunity yeah. as a woman with children to be able to make a little bit of room for myself. So, um, honey, if you're out there listening to this, I love you, and I appreciate you. Oh, um, same here, same here. <laughs> me too, me too, me too. I love you, Peyton. It's true. It's true. It's absolutely true. And so I think sometimes we we get sideways, and we can we can talk about that, um, that whole idea of, of the things that nobody tells you about vision that you need to have. Right. Um, one of them is that you don't always get your way. Um, but anyway... Um, so I took about three and a half months off, and I slept. And coming up out of that, I said, I really do need things to be different. I don't know how they're going to be different, but they got to be different. And so I went back to this conversation that I have with my mom, and I knew that I needed to continue developing the skills that God had given me. I just didn't want to continue them in the environment that I had been in. Okay. Because when she fell ill, I was actually on my way to India to see my team in India, and I, you know, started the paperwork and all that sort of process, and and um, and I said, I I have no business in India. I have mm-hmm. no business in India. And so um, it's like, well, what would that look like? And so I asked the question, what's the one thing that has continually come up over and over and over again where I've gotten feedback? Karen, you're good at this. Karen, you're good at this. What What's that thing that I would always go back to that lit my soul on fire, that mm. I would do for free, that I would think about and, and dream about, or I was attracted to in other people, right? What What's that one thing? And it was coaching. It's awesome. Mm. It was coaching. Such, an, it's such a great question. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people would say over the years, you should go be a coach. And I'm like, what does that mean? I'm too busy. That's not for me. Um, it never occurred occurred to me, this is also how I came to this idea of you have options, it never occurred to me that I had options, mm. right? I, w- I was supposed to have a job. Yeah, sometimes you just got things that, all the things that are right in front of you. Yeah, I absolutely. Um, and I'm like, well, I'm going to go see what this coaching thing is. And I'll be honest with you, basically from minute one, I'm like, I'm in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> we both said it at the same time. <laughs> Which a little bit of backstory, I got into coaching after doing ministry for several years. And y'all are probably gonna laugh, but I remember people would come to me mm-hmm. and they would have like all these things going on. They'd pour out their yeah. heart and like I knew how to fix them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I'm gonna share every mm-hmm. scripture I know, mm-hmm. every experience, mm-hmm. and I'm just like da 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 mm-hmm. and I like give them everything mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. and like they wouldn't change at all. Mm-hmm. And I remember like just feeling like I was hitting my head up against a brick wall. I'm like, yeah. what in the world? Mm-hmm. Like I'm doing everything yeah. I possibly know to do to help, you know, help people. And yeah. we just circle back, circle back. And 
I ended up stepping back and ended up getting a notification from Sam and Brenda Chan that they were starting a coaching thing. And I remember sitting there the first day and them talking about, you know, as a coach, you're not telling people, you know, what to do. You're you're asking them mm-hmm. questions. People have many times answers in them. Uh-huh. They just have to be asked the right questions. Mm-hmm. And then they broke down the, you know, how many times Jesus, do you want to be made well? Mm-hmm. Right. Isn't that a great question? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Had thought of that. So, right? <laughs> anyway, so what about you? Yeah. Well, coaching, I mean, I, similar story. I, as a hairstylist, I had been doing hair for a very long time. My dad got sick. And when my dad passed away at his um, funeral service, I had people coming from all over the place just telling me about how kind my dad was, mm-hmm. giving me stories about my dad, things that I didn't even know that he did for other people, yeah. people I didn't even know, mm-hmm. introducing themselves to me. And after that service, that's when I realized there's something more for me. I, I'm i not just supposed to just be set up to be a hairstylist. And a dream of mine was never to own a salon. Mm-hmm. That was never a dream, even though a lot of people said, oh, you should own a salon. I never wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. I wanted something really more and significant in my life. And Mm -hmm. so that's how actually my story is how I got to know Debs is Mm -hmm. through sisterhood, um, some of the sisterhood events I met Debs, and she helped coach me Mm -hmm. to realize where I really wanted to be. And in my heart, I knew I wanted to be a speaker, a motivational speaker. I joined um, a the John Maxwell University team mm-hmm. and became a um, certified coach through them. And as I was going through the program, I realized I enjoyed coaching so much more than I enjoyed speaking, And which is crazy now that we had the podcast, but the coaching part of it in, in ministry and serving in mm-hmm. ministry and really being able to sit down and talk with people through small groups and lady mm-hmm. Bible studies and and work things out by asking questions. Yeah, and seeing those aha moments mm-hmm. yes. you know, that people yes. have. It's, it's so rewarding. Transformation is it, what it is. is. Yeah. And they do, this, they do the work. That's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> On their terms. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, so I, I came to coaching be, through the loss of my mom. Um, and what I realized, kind of the the... the kind of cherry on top, I guess, for Rock Your Vision, um, I came out of corporate. And I loved corporate. And I loved working with corporate leaders. There was something specific about working with corporate leaders. And I think because it is such an untapped um, world, Mm -hmm. meaning that many people make assumptions about leaders. Mm -hmm. And in a corporate environment, you know, people are expected to have the answers, right? I talk a lot to my leaders about this. Um, and, and I had been in HR for 30 years. Okay. And so a lot of times people would come to me, people that you think would know the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't know the answer or they didn't know they had the answer. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's exactly what you said, Debs. It was the light bulb moment when they realized their potential. Right. It began to shift and it was almost like a drug for me. I enjoyed kind of the more structured or semi-structured process of coaching that allowed people to do, to rely on their own. Because I was the same way. You do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. 
But that doesn't work, for right? It doesn't work yeah. for everybody. It honestly it doesn't work for anybody. <clears throat> right. That's when good, it good comes, clarification. True. Well, <laughs> it depends on if you're, if, you know, if you're trying to get somebody to do a particular thing a particular way, mm-hmm. telling them, managing the process will get it done. Mm-hmm. If you want them to exponentially grow and to be able to then replicate not only what you are, but who you are, mm-hmm. you can only do that through a coaching it's process, true. right? And so that was really where I began to see, like, like I couldn't get enough of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I started officially started my coaching practice in 2014, in January of 2014. Within three months, I had won an award. No idea really how I did that. Um, but I think just, you know, kind of through my network where people knew that I was stepping out, I was beginning to do workshops and things like that and really trying to make an impact. Yeah. Um, I, I was I was intoxicated. I hadn't gotten into the hard spaces of actually building and growing a business. <laughs> I was just doing coaching, right? <clears throat> and so that was that was really confirmation for me. So that's, that's how awesome. I got to it. Now there's some pillars that you have mm-hmm. um, in Rock Your Vision mm-hmm. that I think can be, you know, great. Um, for our listeners mm-hmm. to hear about. Can you share? Mm-hmm. Sure. So our pillars are based on four things, vision, focus, purpose, and perspective. Mm. Vision, focus, purpose, and perspective. So I'll tell you how I came to these things. There are any number of you know leadership principles and models and out there that, that are amazing. But what I kept coming back to in my life, are in the most difficult times and in the best of times, what are the things through the Holy Spirit that have helped me move from one place to the next, Mm -hmm. from one stage to the next, uh, from one problem to a solution? It was vision, focus, purpose, and perspective. And what I know... That's what a I mic know. drop. Boom. I almost started to like type on my computer, but I was like, I don't know that the, the mic might pick up my typing. <laughs> well, the reality is that if you have those four things, it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. It doesn't matter if you're a CEO or a stay-at-home mom or going back to school or getting ready to retire. If you have those four things... Yeah. You will never be outside of the will of God, and you will always be walking towards your calling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the Scriptures talk about mm-hmm. the importance of vision, right? and it talks about some of the things that I think in Proverbs, our favorite. Yes, <laughs> right? yeah, that is. <laughs> Book here at First of May. talks about, you know, when you don't have vision, you cast off restraint, yeah. meaning like— you just will put your hand here, there, That's right. everywhere. That's right. Um, when there's not that clarity, it is right. absolutely essential. But it also, you can find throughout the Word, and obviously us, we know this, living this out. Vision, you know, you said it was like a drug. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody had to make you do it. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, vision gives you energy. Mm-hmm. There's passion there. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes— we are, you know, stumbling around and faltering in our day-to-day uh-huh. activities because we're lacking really that vision that infuses mm-hmm. us with the stamina mm-hmm. and um, drive mm-hmm. to actually do things, not just when they feel good, but mm-hmm. because like we've got that set before us. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a difference between sight and vision, and it's really important 
in the spiritual concept or in the development process when you understand that sight is the ability to identify what you see. It's the physical ability to to see. Vision is what happens that tells you what to do with what you see. So you may not have all the answers. You may not have a step-by-step, but vision is kind of that future state of where God will speak to you uh, and inspire you about what he can do, mm. right? So it's never about, um, you know, oh, I want to see, I want to see, you know, 15 people be coaches. It's not about that. Vision is always about kind of this state of being, I think, that that gets us to when Jesus returns, ultimately, right? right. If, if, if we took a, an analogy and just kind of beat it to death. But the idea that Vision is that thing that helps you remember why you started. It's the thing that that helps you aspire to God's best for you in your gifts and talents and ultimately in your calling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> in terms of people out there listening who may maybe they've never had like a clear vision mm-hmm. for their life, what are just a couple steps? Mm-hmm. that you would encourage them to take to begin that process? So there are two questions that I always ask when I start working with somebody. Um, one is, tell me what you want, and then tell me what you really want. <laughs> <laughs> Do you sing the Spice Girls song? <laughs> tell me what you want, what you really, really want. Really want. <laughs> If you don't, you should. No, I, I'm totally with you. I, I was not expecting that, so it's going to take me a minute. But um, I'm sorry. That's awesome. So good. Tell me what you want. Tell um, me what you really, really want. But it, but it's a fair question. Yeah. Tell me what you want. Now tell me what you really want. Think about that for a minute. Yeah. So one of the stories that I I share often, and I have permission to share this young lady's story. We'll call her Mary, um, to protect the innocent. So she came to my office and she's really upset because she wants a promotion. She believes that she deserves a promotion. Her her boss is a is a dodo and doesn't even need to be in the job. She's been there longer. She knows more. And she's like, I want that promotion. I deserve that promotion. You know, I haven't had a raise in five years. She's just going on and on. And so I let her finish. And I said, okay, that's what you want? She's like, yeah, I want a promotion. And that's what I want to focus on in our coaching together. Awesome. And I said, now tell me what you really want. And she's like, well, what do you mean? And I said, when you think about your life and your career, what do you want? So we go through this process, and I have a, I have a couple tools that I use to do that. And at the end of that <clears throat> experience, excuse me, she got really quiet. And she, you know, kind of looked up, and she's like, have I missed it? And I said, I don't know. Have you? She had been pursuing what she wanted to be doing. But she had missed the three other quadrants of her life that are actually a gift from God that help design who it is he wants her to be. Mm. Wow. So there are four quadrants. I call it the DTSF model. We focus on what we want to be doing, right? I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. And we all do it, mm-hmm. right? I read a statistic recently that said about 80% of us plan 
we make res- New Year's resolutions, but by the end of the year, we don't we don't reach them. Yeah. We, we don't even know what they are. It's like less yeah. than ten percent. Yeah, and I I find that fascinating. But but that happens in large part because we focus so much on the doing part of it. So the DTSF model D stands for doing. So we're in on that. We're good Americans in general. Capitalist society, we're good at doing, at striving more, looking for more. What we forget is what is it that we should be thinking, saying, and feeling? What should we be doing, thinking, saying, and feeling? You show me a leader that has identified what it is they should be doing, thinking, saying, and feeling, and I will show you a leader that is running after God and walking towards their purpose and fulfilling their calling. So that good. is awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's good, Karen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, so d- like in in your mind, why is it so important that we discover our purpose mm-hmm. and understand our calling? Mm-hmm. You know, our why, if mm-hmm. you will. Yeah. One of the things that I realized coming out of my journey with my mom and just kind of reflecting on my life was that I was actually underutilizing my gifts and talents. And I was living, um, I was, I was living beneath what God had for me. I think a lot of us do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, and it's, it's uh it is incredibly common. Um and and most of us I think play it safe. But I see this every day in my work. I was working with um a leader in technology. This guy is on the Mensa scale. Like he's one of the top 5 in the industry in the world. He's just a rock star in his industry. He is beyond smart. The business that he was in pays him a ridiculous amount of money to do what he does. But he was struggling in his relationships with people. So one of the kind of odd things that I've discovered in my over the length of my career is that oftentimes companies will call me for their most difficult and complex situations. Now, I didn't mean it that way. But I think it's just because I'm just crazy enough to go into situations that nobody else wants to go into. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was one of these individuals. Huge personality. Most people wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot with pole. His boss let him do whatever he wanted to do, and HR wanted nothing to do with him. So I walked in, and he sat back in his chair and put his arm up and you know, kind of sat back. And he's like, yeah, I don't really know what you can do to help me, but uh, whatever. Uh, we'll go through this. You know, I'll go through a couple sessions. And... I was like, okay. Um, About six sessions in, I said, tell me if you could, like, share anything about yourself that people may not know about you. What would that be? He sat back and almost, like, instantaneously said, I want to run a farm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And... I was like, I'm sorry, did I just hallucinate? What just happened? (laughs) You want to run a farm? He began to just, 
I want to do this and I want to raise chickens and goats. I grew up with goats and my wife grew up on a farm and we've always talked about it. And he, I couldn't get him to shut up about it. Oh, wow. <laughs> but he, his whole demeanor changed. Mm-hmm. Um, his spirit leapt. Yeah. And then he came down off of that and he's like, but you know, that's, that's what most people don't know. We went back to that conversation and I said, I want to understand what about that, that dream or that vision brought you to life. And it related to something to his childhood, but the, but the idea was that he had neglected something that was placed in him. Mm-hmm. And who knows how God would use that farm. Mm-hmm. Maybe it would be a retreat for, mm-hmm. you know, hurting couples or, you know, who knows? Right. Mm-hmm. But there is something that happens when we respond to the vision that God has given us. And when we nurture that vision, what most people think is they have to, they have to segment right. or, or neglect one or the other. It's mm-hmm. either got to be a, a vision Mm-hmm. And it's fluffy and you know uh, rainbows and unicorns, or it's hard and it's mm-hmm. you know what I have to be doing. I do not believe that they are mutually exclusive. I, agree. I think we can do both. Yep. So the question, you know, what do you want? What do you really want? Um, and then what is it that most people wouldn't know about you that maybe somewhere is in there that you've thought about or you've dreamt about or you would do for free? What are those things? that are within you that are just waiting to get out. Maybe they've been talking. So 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 kind of put out the how. Right. Let's talk about the what the for what. a minute. Mm-hmm. Let's just talk about the what. What would it look like, right? And I asked this question, Deb, you know this and, and you know this, Lauren, the question of if you if you had all the support that you needed mm-hmm. and you had no boundaries and and no barriers, mm-hmm. you had all the money you need, what would you do? Mm-hmm. And most of my leaders struggle to answer that. I think not, a lot of people do. Not because they don't know, but because they've never given themselves permission, permission to mm-hmm. consider it. That's yeah. true. So good. It is. So um, that brings me to kind of where I wanted to go in the conversation. Mm-hmm. This idea that a lot of people struggle to identify their dreams. Yeah. And I think people, there are some people who used to dream that have stopped yes, dreaming. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. But a lot of times we... Life is so hectic and busy, we just, you know, quit dreaming. Mm-hmm. So can you talk to me about, um, you know, those that find themselves, maybe they've been discouraged in life. Mm-hmm. And discouragement, I mean, maybe they stepped out and tried and feel like they've been knocked down and just kind of like, mm. yeah. that, that's past. I'm just yeah. over it, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe share some of the discouragements um, that you've experienced in your life and how you got past them and mm-hmm. maybe the you know how those actually became a stepping stone for you how mm-hmm. you can turn your discouragement mm-hmm. um oftentimes that's something that has an impact on us if we use it in the right way mm-hmm. and can actually be mm-hmm. um for our good god can work it for our good yeah um one of the things i've discovered is that oftentimes although the enemy is not all knowing um, I do believe that he begins working on on destroying our vision and destroying what God has for us 
long before we ever even discover what that vision is. Yeah. And I know that to be true in, in my life, and I've seen it happen in the lives of countless men and women um, that I've worked with, professionals, entrepreneurs, you name it. But as I look back, the discouragements that I have encountered as, a, as, a, as an adult are the same discouragements that I experienced as a child. Hmm. Um, they became magnified as an adult because what do we do when we experience shame or embarrassment or, or something like that as an adult? What do we do? We hide it, oh, yeah. right? We dress it up, we put a mask on, we, we do whatever we're going to do. So it intensified for me. And so I found that a lot of what I struggled with um, when I started my business and I, I launched out in this business and all that sort of thing, I, 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 looking back, I recognize the same pigtailed little girl is still present in me. Mm-hmm. And I'll share an experience that I had. I told you I won an award about three months after I went, I went out into private practice and I shared this with somebody. I had been nominated for um, an award in my industry by, you know, an industry organization that's well-respected and, you know, it was just a big deal. And I had been nominated for this award. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's so amazing. And I just thought, it's a fluke. Well, then I made it to the finalists with some of the largest companies in the world. Little old me. I made it to the finalist. And... It brought me to tears yeah. because I had spent the few months of being in private practice going back and forth with, maybe I'll quit. This was a really bad idea. What do I think <laughs> I'm doing? You know, why would I do this? I don't have anything to say. Nobody wants to hear what I have to say. So I kept doing that back and forth. So it, it made me emotional. And I went to share this with someone. And I said, oh, my gosh, you won't believe this. I just got this phone call. And I made it to the finalists with these amazing organizations and people I've looked up to my entire career. And I can't believe it. And they said, hmm, you, you got nominated for an award? You made it to the finalists? Huh. Why? You haven't done anything. Oh, yeah, that's not very nice. And in that moment, like, I... I could hardly suck the air out of you from the 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 throat punch that I had just yeah. been given. But I know now that that was not intended to wound me. Right. But I now understand what part of me it wounded. Mm-hmm. It wounded that unhealed little girl. Mm-hmm. Okay. That that sense of discouragement. Uh, replicates into playing small. Yeah, it replicates in not moving forward. It replicates in not taking risks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. So the discouragement of, you know, who told who told you you could go and speak in front of people? Bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, Karen, you're probably a little much. You shouldn't be quite so loud. Or I'm sorry, why are you wearing sparkle again? Or, right, it's the dumbed down, right. be a smaller version of the beauty God designed in you. Right. Mm-hmm. So the discouragements that I've faced, we don't have enough time to cover here. My message really here is that it, it was in recognizing what those discouragements were that until I submit them under the power of the Holy Spirit— and I understand 
what God says about me, until I do that, I will always play small. Right. Every one of us has discouragements. Every one of us has secrets and things that we don't talk to anybody about. But in, I don't care how talented you are. Correct. Mm-hmm. Until you submit them to the Holy Spirit and you submit them to how God designed you and you say, God, I release these things to you and I accept the identity that you have for me, mm-hmm. I will always play small. It was when I decided that, when I decided that the pains and embarrassments and shamed, shameful places of my life. But I think there's something <clears throat> powerful when you lean into your discouraging places. Yes. And the way that I say it is, stop being afraid of that. Be yep. curious about what God is teaching yeah. you in those discouragements. He will not waste them. He doesn't. Yeah. And you know, the other thing, I talk to people about this a lot, and it's something, it took me a while to get it. Yeah. But oftentimes, the places you meet your greatest discouragement are usually attached to your destiny. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. So, you know, for example, we stepped out to do this podcast. Right. And then, boom. Yeah, come on. You know, illness, voice, Mm -hmm. five months out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I can tell you just what you're saying. I can't tell you how many times— the enemies tried to steal my voice. Come on. Yeah. It began with, you know, being molested as a young girl, five, six. Yeah. You know, not having the courage to tell somebody, mm-hmm. retreating back. Yeah. Um, but what I found is as I've stepped out to do things to follow God, mm-hmm. anytime, like let's say a relationship, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. some of the, some of those places where I get hit the hardest. Yep. I've learned like, huh? Yep. There's something on that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And many times I've like pressed through yep. some of that. Yep. Because I'm like, some part of my destiny or their destiny yep. is attached to this. Right. And what the enemy will do is he always uses offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's his bait. Mm-hmm. He's gonna try to get, you know, us defended or yes. offended or discouraged. Yes. But when you recognize that, mm-hmm. if you can that actually, instead of it being a red light, yeah. oftentimes like, okay, I'm going in and I'm fighting for yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. my destiny or theirs is attached to this. It, I'm, I'm, it's like I, I'm, I'm stuttering over myself just because I'm so full hearing you say that. Um, there is, m- most people know, um, you know, I'm feisty when I pray and I really have, I'm learning, I'm learning how to let that be shaped. Um, and molded, but I tell people all the time, if you see me going in, leave me be, because <laughs> you don't know what I'm fighting for. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you don't know what I'm fighting for. Yeah, that's right. But that's exactly what I say. Yeah. I say, I may be discouraged, and the enemy may try his best. He may even land a punch. Yeah. But I'm going to go out swinging. I'm going to go out swinging. And I'm going to get back that's up. That's right. Now, those offenses, those, those wounds, those discouragements will act like um, injuries to armor. Right. Right? Um, we were going in in a leadership meeting with Pastor Andy, um, and um, we were talking about um, the spiritual armor. And... Uh, it, it just it just kind of came to me as you were saying that it's like a, it's like an injury to the armor. There are times when we need to deal with discouragement. There are times when we need to step back and and do the work of healing. Yes, right. 
we, we heal those places, but it doesn't mean you don't have armor. Right. You may need to take that armor off and get it fixed. You may need to go to counseling or therapy. You may need to work on your marriage or really invest in your children. You may need to go back to school or whatever those things are. But, and, and I say this all the time, we have t-shirts with it made. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. <laughs> if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. That means that there is armor made for you. There is armor made for to fit you, and God will use that. But I just always, you know, I don't want people to walk away from hearing this talk about vision and all the things that we do, um, thinking that somehow it's rainbows and unicorns all the time. It is not. There is a season for everything, right? In Ecclesiastes, talk about there's a season for. I believe that. But what I am saying is that I don't care where you are in life, you have a purpose. Wow, what a great interview with Karen today. And she's right. God gives us a purpose. He gives us vision. And Debs likes to say, if he brings us to it, he is going to walk us through it. And I just love that. You know, God doesn't intend for us to live average lives. He doesn't want us to get stuck in comfort zones. And I surely don't believe at all that he wants us to play it small. And so it's just like what Karen was saying earlier, that when you start to walk in your vision or as you're walking in your vision, it's not all rainbows and unicorns. You know, sometimes we're going to hit some roadblocks, but God gives us the armor to battle it through. We just have to make sure that we're actually wearing God's armor so that we can battle through. (laughs) We hope that today we have helped you dream big. We love Karen, and I'm sure that after listening to her today, you do too. So if you would like to connect with Karen to learn more about how to reach and rock your vision, you can connect with her at rockyourvision.net. You can also follow her on Instagram at rockyourvision, and she has a Facebook page that you can follow her on at rockyourvision masterclass community. And when you go to that page and you like it, At the very top of her page, Rock Your Vision Masterclass Community, she has a Facebook private group that you can join. And in that group, she has additional trainings there. So there's lots of ways to connect with Karen, and she is very excited to connect with you as well. Before we wrap up, though, we do want to encourage you to think about a couple more things when it comes to your vision. When it comes to your vision, think about who can help you accomplish your vision. You know, sometimes you have to find your people. And sometimes the bigger the dream, the more people you will need to find. Also, think about if you have a strategy. You know, what is your plan and what are you going to do? And let me give you a hot tip on this, guys. You got to get a really good calendar because this will help you organize your thoughts. It will help you organize your strategy. And it will be a place where you can write down your SMART goals. Now, what are SMART goals? SMART goals are goals that are specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. And so having a great calendar is going to be your best friend and planning and rocking your vision. Also, what do you need to know about your vision? What do you not know about your vision? You know, you got to figure it out. So find those people that you can talk to and collaborate with and talk about your vision and do some research and learn about the things that you don't know. Learn more about the things that you do know. And lastly, this is first in Maine. We said it today and I'm going to say it one more time. You gotta pray because God will lead you the rest of the way. 
So thanks so much for listening today here at First of Maine, your avenue to living well. This is the last back-to-back episode. After this one, we'll be back to once every other week. So we hope that these last four episodes back-to-back have helped you jumpstart your new year. We want you to have a great 2022. We want you to walk into the vision God has for you and for you to have all the resources and tools to help you do that. So if you missed the last few episodes, I definitely want to encourage you to go back and have a listen. And as always, we would love for you to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for us at First and Main Life. Thank you so much. Have a great week and God bless.